What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fancy Stock Exchange here, and today I'll be going through round four of my contextualized game log series I'm doing over here at the Fancy Stock Exchange YouTube channel, where I'm going through the seasons of some of the top selected players in 2022 fantasy football and painting the picture as to what we can take away from their 2021 campaigns. The purpose of this video, as I've explained in the other three, is to isolate the extraneous variables from their 2021 campaigns and ultimately any contextual patterns that we could take away when making our analysis going into 2022. Before we get into it, the point I want to reiterate, as I've said in the last few, is that this should be used in conjunction with the other resources you have available to you in fantasy football rather than being taken at full face value going into 2022. All ADP data from today's video comes from Underdog Fantasy. Promo code FSC on first deposit gets you 100% match back up to $100, as well as access to our redraft and dynasty rankings manifesto to help you guys get prepared for your drafts. We're in August, baby. Drafts are coming around the corner. Season's coming around the corner. Make sure you are fully equipped for your drafts with our rankings manifesto. Promo code FSC if you want access to that for free, as well as all player cards on today's video are going to be made available over on Patreon. Tone Setter or Latser tier actually gets you access to all of these player cards. So if you do that, you also get access to the manifesto. But before we get into the 401, as always, we're going to hit the intro. Okay, so the current 401 on Underdog Fantasy is Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins. And the purpose of his contextualized game logs, we're going to look at his splits week six on. So Tua Tungabailoa got hurt in week three, missed uh, till about week five. So we're going to be taking those splits of games played with Tua Tungabailoa week six and on. And for Jalen Waddle in 2021, as we kind of know, if not for Bengals rookie receiver Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle would be the talk all of offseason for how dominant of a rookie season he just put up. The sixth overall pick from Alabama coughed up 1,000 receiving yards, 140 targets, and a wide receiver 15 point per game pace across the season as a rookie wide receiver. So we see the promise that he showed as a future fantasy stalwart for years to come. The purpose, as I kind of said, we want to look at how he performed once Tua come back, once Tua was ready to roll. The only game isolated out of the stretch Week six on would actually be week nine, which Tua also missed. So for the purpose of that, we isolated it out. But let's look at these splits exactly when Tua was back, how Jalen Waddle performed. So you guys see wide receiver 15, 15.4 PPR points per game all season. Those numbers actually jumped to 17.5 PPR points per game and a wide receiver six pace once Tua came back, once Tua was ready to roll. And the biggest purpose here, the biggest you know, noticing fact here is the 27.34% target share that Jalen Waddle commanded in those games back, a clear cut alpha wide receiver as a rookie. So for a rookie to command almost a 28% target share, I mean, that's up with the likes of, you know, your Terry McLaurin, your DJ Moore's stud, stud wide receivers in the NFL. The fact that Jalen Waddle was able to get near those guys, actually match those guys as a rookie is very promising. Obviously, the presence of Tyree Kill this offseason, the big elephant in the room, Tyree Kill being traded to the Miami Dolphins this offseason, is going to affect the ultimate ceiling of Waddle. I'm more just willing to bet on a phenomenal second-year wide receiver in what should be a very concentrated offense with the Miami Dolphins. If anybody, again, we talked about it with 
um, you know, lessons learned video that we just did this past week. But if anybody has the opportunity to be this year's Debo Samuel, I think it's going to be Jalen Waddle. So getting that available to you in the fourth round, maybe even later in some home leagues, I think is way too much to pass up. So if you see a lot of people citing, you know, too many mouths to feed or other narratives to go against Jalen Waddle, get the dip by the dip. Cause I do think Jalen Waddle is going to be able to build off that phenomenal first year campaign that he was able to put up. Next player, the current 402 on underdog fantasy is going to be Ezekiel Elliott running back from the Dallas Cowboys. And the purpose of his contextualized game logs, we're going to look at his splits prior to the Cowboys bye week. And the reason why we're doing this is that if you followed fantasy this year, if you followed a lot of, you know, reports, if you followed a lot of chatter this offseason, a lot of Ezekiel Elliott struggles down the stretch are going to be pointed to a partially torn PCL that Zeke suffered in week four against the Carolina Panthers that really zapped a lot of Zeke's juice and resulted, as I kind of said, with that poor finish that he saw down the stretch. His RB 15, 14.8 PPR points per game was a very disappointing season relative to the top five ADP at the position he saw going into the year. But as I kind of said, many Zeke supporters are going to point to the fact that, oh, he was dominant. He was playing you know, well up to expectation prior to that injury. And upon that happening, upon him, you know, wearing down, down the stretch, he was very disappointing, but we can look at that first six game sample and project it going forward. How impressive was Zeke in this stretch? How impressive was Ezekiel Elliott in this offense with that scoring opportunity for a lot of these Zeke supporters to be willing to take the plunge on him again? Well, you guys can see the splits on the screen. 19.1 PPR points per game and the RB4 in those first six games on the back of extreme touchdown volatility, as well as a solid but not elite workload. So we do see some validity to this perspective. I mean, 19.1 PPR points per game, any way we cut it, is a very, very solid number to be able to get. However, as I kind of said, as impressive as this start was, we really have to acknowledge that a 27-year-old running back is much more likely to deal with the injuries that Zeke did down the stretch last season than a 21, 22, 23-year-old. With the workload that Zeke has seen in his career, it was almost inevitable that he would get into a situation where he was battling ailments, where he was battling, you know, not being able to be fresh throughout the year. So I think it's a little bit disingenuous to just isolate this stretch because these trusty veterans, they are more prone to breaking down, as we've kind of said with the case for Dalvin Cook this year. They are more prone to breaking down due to their workload, due to their age. So I think for me, the way I'm going to get exposure to Ezekiel Elliott, because again, the peripherals are still nice. The role, the touchdown volatility, the opportunity with the Cowboys offense is still nice. But I would much rather use him as a DFS play rather than trying to invest in him throughout the season because I do think he is more prone to breaking down down the stretch as we saw last year. Fourth round ADP might seem like a value, but I do think it's a little bit of a trap considering the fact that he is very volatile. He is very fragile. He is a running back. So realistically investing that type of capital when we see league winners at the wide receiver position emerge in this ADP throughout every single year for the most part, I'm much more willing to take a lot of these wide receivers in this range as opposed to investing on a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. So next player we're going to be talking about, another wide receiver. I mentioned I would pass on Ezekiel Elliott for wide receivers in this range. Terry McLaurin going off the board 403 on Underdog Fantasy. And for the purpose of his CGL, we're going to look at his splits prior to the Washington Commander bye week. And for Terry McLaurin, we kind of know the story with him. I kind of mentioned it when I talked about DJ Moore, but he is such an incredibly talented wide receiver 
But the problem in fantasy football has been the fact that he's been marred by underwhelming quarterback play that has really resulted in taking a huge effect on his production in fantasy. So for the purpose of McLaurin, the context that we can pull from his season is the splits we saw from McLaurin prior to the team's bye week and ultimately how the offense can kind of rebound from their second half slump that they saw and how Carson Wentz can really take them from not only first half of the season 2021 splits to potentially even further from that. So if Carson Wentz provides the stability that we should expect that we should crave for D or for Terry McLaurin, we could see a very, very good bounce back campaign. Cause as you guys can see in that first split in the first eight weeks of the season, prior to the Washington bye week, this is a guy that jumped from 12.6 PPR points per game across the season to a 15.7 PPR point per game clip which would have ranked from wide receiver 32 across the year to wide receiver 13. And this was on the back of incredible usage, incredible ability to demand targets. 26.97% of the targets commanded in the stretch, ultimately en route to what was one of the more impressive, efficient stretches for Terry McLaurin, given the target quality he was seeing. So if we can project this guy, for a 27 plus percent target share going into 2022 with the upgrade of Carson Wentz, I really wouldn't be shocked if we finally saw this year as the year Scary Terry enters that top 10 area, 17 PPR point per game area in fantasy football. So his fourth round ADP is more than validated in my opinion. He's one of the best real life NFL wide receivers. So if Carson Wentz provides the upgrade that we crave, that we could potentially expect, obviously Taylor Heineke struggled down the stretch last year. I think he could be a very, very good value in fantasy football going into 2022. So I like Terry McLaurin. I'm fine with taking that plunge. Really fits the mold of what I'm wanting to attack from a structural standpoint in my drafts in the fourth round. Let's go on to the next player, and that's going to be Marquise Brown, wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals. And the purpose of his CGL, we're going to be looking at his splits when Lamar Jackson was in the lineup last year. And with Brown, he got off to that scorching start. Uh, but as we saw down the stretch with Tyler Huntley eventually taking the reins from Lamar once Lamar got hurt, the inadequacy of the offense really showed. And for the purpose of his CGL, as I kind of said, let's just show how dominant Brown was to start and what we could take away from 2021 with Lamar as he transitions to that Cardinals offense with former college teammate Kyler Murray. And you guys can see wide receiver 26, 14.1 PPR points per game across the year. But again, when we isolate that stretch with Lamar, it jumps to 16.5 PPR points per game, wide receiver 11. So for Marquise Brown, with a full year projected with Kyler Murray, with that vertical passing offense we should expect in Arizona, I'm really comfortable with his ADP there, especially with the news. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins expected to miss the first six weeks of the season. I think that Marquise Brown can get off to a scorching wide receiver four, wide receiver five overall start and be a player that is going to provide significant value going in his fourth round area. So Marquise Brown, current fringe top 15 level wide receiver in my rankings right now, more than fine taking him in the fourth round. I think he's a very good value there. The next player in the CGL, we're going to be talking about Allen Robinson. And for Allen Robinson, there's not really much context we can pull from his disappointing 21 campaign. Obviously, the big news this offseason, the reason why he's still going in the fourth round despite that awful year, is his expected bounce back with signing with the Los Angeles Rams. And with Allen Robinson, you're getting access now to one of the most open, one of the highest scoring potential offense of the entire NFL with LA. So as long as Matthew Stafford is healthy from that, I believe it's elbow tendonitis or whatever he's dealing with in his elbow this offseason, as long as he's healthy going into the year, I'm more than comfortable taking Allen Robinson in this range. One of the 
Chris Godwin cam candidates where it's a high powered offense. Obviously we know Cooper cup's going to eat, but there's plenty on the table for Allen Robinson to eat behind Cooper cup. So perfectly fine with him being a fourth round valuation, specifically an underdog fantasy where of course we want to prioritize access to high powered offenses, which the LA Rams definitely present. The next player on this list is going to be rookie running back Brees Hall going at the 406 on underdog. And obviously, as you know, for contextualized game logs, they need to have played in 2021. And given the fact that Brees Hall is a rookie running back, we don't have any contextualized game logs to look at because he didn't play at all in 2021 in the NFL. So in terms of Brees Hall, if you're looking for some draft advice, if you're looking for a potential outlook that we can see in 2022, he is the type of archetype I'm much more willing to take the plunge on. So Instead of taking, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, where he's a trusty veteran, where he's safe, obviously Corey did a full breakdown on trusty veterans versus young breakout candidates. I'm much more willing to invest on Brees Hall at his opportunity cost because of that ceiling, rather than a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, whom I expect to break down throughout the 2022 season. The next player on underdog fantasy is going to be at the 407 with Gabriel Davis, wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. And the splits I'm going to pull are his splits once he earned that full-time role for the Buffalo Bills. And obviously with Gabe Davis, he is the one polarizing player in 2022 fantasy football and coming off the board as the 43rd overall player on underdog fantasy. So it's really funny because with Gabe Davis, he is the classic boom bust type of player because his bull case is that his status as the wide receiver two on one of the favorites to be the best offense in the NFL this year with the Buffalo Bills. He performs, he develops into that role and he ultimately provides a great tertiary option for Josh Allen next to Stefan Diggs. But obviously, as we know, the bear case there is that he's never committed a consistent target share and has really been outproduced by other ancillary Bills pieces in the last two years. Source contextualized game logs, we're really going to isolate those games where he earned that full-time role, which to me consists of a 50-plus percent snap share in 2021. And we look at how much does his 8.4 PPR point per game rise once we isolate him to this sample. So with Gabriel Davis, you guys can see on the screen, 16.31% target share once he earned that full role and ultimately produced a 13.4 PPR point per game clip, which would have ranked as the wide receiver 31 across the year. So for Davis, again, we saw these splits as a full timer really profile as that boom bust archetype. You know, those 13.4 PPR points per game across the six game set is nice. But as we know, 16.31% target share is pretty lackluster for a player that we are expecting to be a wide receiver too. So with Gabe Davis, there's a lot of risk, but I do understand the perspective of truthers on him with the rationale that he's a third year player tethered to this awesome offense. And if he takes the classic leap we see from third year wide receivers, we could see a much more consistent role down the stretch in 2022. But ultimately for me, he's a bit too expensive for my taste on underdog, but I understand the hype. And if he falls, you know, a little bit past ADP, like five, six picks past ADP, I'm willing to diversify my portfolio and kind of add some shares on underdog in a big macro portfolio. As we know, a lot of teams that I'm going to be drafted on underdog. So if I can get, you know, a little bit of exposure to Gabe Davis in the case that he does explode, I'm fine with it. But in terms of actual redraft, he is the definition of a better and best ball type of wide receiver. So I expect his redraft value to be a lot more palpable, you know, sixth round, seventh round type of area in a lot of your guys' home leagues. And at that point too, I'm willing to take the plunge there. So Gabe Davis, he's probably going to be a fringe top 35-ish wide receiver overall in my ranking. So um, I'm not going to have a lot on underdog, but if he falls again in redraft, I'm willing to get a decent bit of him.
The next player on Underdog Fantasy we're going to be getting into is at the 408 with wide receiver Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. And obviously the big elephant in the room for Jerry Judy in 2021 stems from awful quarterback play that he saw and ultimately that high ankle sprain that really limited him in 2021. And we saw in that first game prior to his ankle injury, Judy totaled a six catch, 72 yard on seven target stat line on only 47% of the snaps and basically left Corlin Sutton for dust in terms of his usage. So I understand that going into the year, a lot of people are going to point to while Sutton has that familiar, you know, X style boundary style archetype that Russell Wilson has historically stuck with, but it's impossible for me to ignore the fact that Judy was just flat out far more dominant in their time spent together, especially from a target share perspective, where in the games he shared with Cortland Sutton, we actually saw Jerry Judy total a near 20% target share to Sutton's 13.5%. And when Jerry Judy was on the field, command a 24.1% target rate, which was very promising from a 22-year-old wide receiver, second-year wide receiver for Denver. So ultimately, if anybody's going to be the biggest benefactor of a huge quarterback upgrade, I'm much more willing to bet on the promising third-year breakout 23-year-old receiver rather than the 27-year-old coming off the worst campaign of his career. So I understand the optimism for Sutton, but if I'm going to be taking the promising breakout candidate, I think it's Jerry Judy in this offense. Next player at 409 is going to be the second quarterback in ADP, and that's going to be Justin Herbert, quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. And the purpose of his CGL, I'm going to be looking at his splits post bye week, as I kind of mentioned in Caden Allen and Mike Williams. This Chargers offense really took that next step, really took a leap past their bye week, jumping from 24.7 points per game to 29.7 points per game down the stretch. And Justin Herbert really evolved throughout the 2021 campaign as one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. So how was his fantasy output really impacted once these Chargers took the leap? Well, you guys can see he was basically the same as he was prior to bye week. Not really much from a statistical comparison. So we see overall season 23.28 points per game, what quarterback two. And in the contextual game logs in the splits week eight on, we see that number jump to 23.43. So his output really was unaffected. But obviously with Justin Herbert, the reason why we're buying in, the reason why we want so much Justin Herbert is the fact that he holds one of the highest ceilings in terms of passing volume in the entire NFL. With sneaky rushing contribution, about 3.2 fantasy points per game added in the rushing game down the stretch last year. So I won't blame anyone for taking Herbert as high as the second quarterback off the board. I really do think that his fourth, fifth round type of ADP is very appropriate for the upside, the ceiling that we should see from Justin Herbert going into 2022. The next few players that we're going to be talking about tailing off the end of the fourth round and 410, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, Pittsburgh Steelers. His 2021 campaign really comes on the back of just about as consistent of a season as you could possibly expect from a wide receiver. Obviously, we saw in 2020, he struggled with drops, some inconsistencies down the stretch. But in 2021, I mean, this guy, you look at his game logs, realistically, you should have expected him to score between about 12 to 25 points in every single week. The model of consistency at the wide receiver position for 2021 en route to the top 10 finish that we did see. Next player 
Cam Akers running back for the Los Angeles Rams going off the board as the 411. And with Cam Akers, obviously we don't have a contextualized game log because he did miss the entire regular season with that Achilles tear he suffered in the offseason. Yes, we did see him in the postseason, but we didn't see any uh, regular season action from him. So there's nothing that we can really pull. Obviously with Cam Akers, one of the biggest boom bucks picks, one of the biggest volatile picks in fantasy right now. If he's fully recovered from the Achilles tear, if he's able to reclaim his role as the main bell cow for the Rams, more than fine with raising him from his current ADP. I think he's the player that should see his ADP largely you know, fluctuate throughout the offseason pending reports, pending offseason news. He could be a dark horse to be a early third-round pick if everything comes out positive this time going into September. Final player of the video, the final player that we're going to talk about is going to be Darren Waller, tight end from the Las Vegas Raiders, currently going off the board as the last pick of the fourth round. And for Darren Waller, it's pretty simple. Game's fully healthy in 2021. For Waller, the only bit of context here is that he did leave week 12 against my Dallas Cowboys early with only 24% of the snaps played. If we isolate out this game, his seasonal output changes from the 11-game sample we saw of a 55 reception, 665-yard, two-touchdown year on 93 targets to a 10-game sample of 53 receptions, 632 yards, two touchdowns on 88 targets. So his PPR points per game really changes from 12.14 to about 12.82 PPR points per game. With Darren Waller, it's pretty simple to make a bull case for one of the elite talents at the tight end position. And if this offense projects to be the best that he's played in his career, which I think we could validly do so, I think he could see a very nice bounce back, potentially enter that 15 PPR point per game type of range as long as he's healthy. But overall, if you've made it this far in the video, about 20 minutes in, appreciate you guys and as always we're on the road to 13,000 subscribers a lot of recent support from you guys so make sure you smash the like button and if you haven't already hit that subscribe again helping us on that road to 13,000 but either way appreciate you guys thank you and enjoy your weekend